Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. Before we get started, we have a favor to ask if you haven't already. Please go leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you what you like and what you don't like. And it also helps other student ministry leaders like you find our podcast. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, here in the studio today with producer Nathan and Katie. Hello. We're excited uh, because our guest today is the one and only Mike Taylor. Katie, tell us about Mike. Hey, Mike serves as the Vice President of Mobilization for Greater Europe Mission and Executive Director of UK USA Ministries. He and his wife, Cookie, have been married for 37 years and they have four children and a son-in-law. Mike and Cookie have served in the United Kingdom since 2011 and they returned uh, from England in March 2020 due to COVID, um, but have continued to lead out mobilization from Northwest Arkansas. Prior to living and serving in England, Mike was a youth pastor in the United States for 30 years and has a passion to see God raise up a new generation of missionaries and to see Europe reached with the gospel. Mike, we are super excited to have you with us today. Man, my privilege to get to be with you guys. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, then you know that we've talked to Mike a couple times. Um, I don't mind telling you, the listening audience, that Mike is one of my favorite people on this planet. Uh, He's one of those people that is just so great to be around, uh, always challenges you to be better, always encourages you. Uh, Mikey, thank you for doing those things in my life. And man, you, you, you guys get to hear from a legend in youth ministry today, and when... Katie was reading that a minute ago, uh, serving in the UK since 2011. Mike, my mind went to, man, has it been since 2011? Like, I don't know how where you land on the spectrum of does it feel like that long ago or has it flown by, but I, it just caused me to say, man, 2011, he's been doing it that long. Yeah, it's crazy. Um I am more on the, wow, this has flown by really fast. You know, time yeah. flies when you're having fun, right? So That's right. Um, yeah, we just literally celebrated our 10th anniversary of UKUSA Ministries this month. Well, January. So we're into, you know, 10 plus one. So Man, it's so good. Uh, for people that would be new, why don't you give us a quick rundown of UKUSA Ministries and what happens there? Yeah, for sure. So um, in 05, I went on my first mission trip to England uh, and God really broke my heart for a place and a people and just the lostness, the post-Christian culture, the, the challenge of the gospel advancing. You know, they've had the gospel. They turned their back on the gospel, really. Uh, we've seen first, second great awakening, you know, all the spiritual m- movements uh, that changed the world seem to have emanated from the UK and Europe. And so when I got there in 05, I was blown away, went on about a five-year journey of what in the world, How? Why, why am I still in America when the rest of the world is so dark spiritually? And obviously uh, loved my church, loved my job, loved what I was doing, still feel like a youth pastor. Um, but in 2010, we began to pray about, okay, should we still be in, in North America? By January 2nd of 2011, we'd made the decision to go. And so we started UK USA Ministries on January 2nd, 2011. And basically uh, what we tried to do and really feel like we've seen the Lord begin to establish there is 
creating youth ministry uh, in in a post-Christian context, kind of a resurgence of youth ministry, trying to reach into a new generation, you know, of post-Christendom there in in England, uh, doing loads of kids and youth outreach. Uh, in England, there's these unique things uh, that are available or afforded to us. Uh, they do mandatory RE, religious education, in every public school. So as a youth pastor in America, you have to figure out how you can get on campus and invite you into the school and actually invite you into classrooms to talk about the Lord. Hmm. And so it was this weird dynamic that captivated my heart. And so what we've tried to do the last 10 years is invite as many people to come experience the United Kingdom in a couple of fashions. One is they come on a short-term trip uh, and we put them in schools and they do like a youth ministry experience there, kids in youth ministry. Um, so that's like working with churches and youth groups in America, inviting them to come serve for like seven to 10 days. Then we also offer a couple of other ways for people to get engaged. One is they could do a summer with us on the 10-2 project, which we can talk about more later. Uh, and then we also do a gap year program. Now we call it a scheme in England because in England, the scheme's a good thing, but in America, it's a bit dodgy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but so we have this gap year scheme in the UK where people can come and start with us the end of August and serve through the 1st of August the following year. And they literally then become the youth worker or kids worker in a church uh, that would never have someone hmm. uh, to do that. You know, the church is just under-resourced and under, uh, you know, developed from staff people and people reaching the new generation. So that's really the channels, man. We, we tried to create a pathway for people to connect for a week for a summer or for, for a year or for life. I mean, so, yeah. and, and uh, so that's really it. And, and really it's all around youth ministry and kids ministry. So, so I've heard you talk before about one of the things that can come from uh, a student pastor taking their students to an experience in England is that they really get to experience where we are headed here in the United States in terms of a pro a post Christian setting that if you want to find out what youth ministry is going to be like 10 years from now, maybe less then experiencing what youth ministry is like over there can give you kind of a glimpse into the future of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so different because in the UK and really all across the continent of Europe, you know, the default setting is God doesn't exist, you know, especially in the indigenous European um, and so to have somebody come over and experience what it's like to be doing youth ministry where the context is so different, like there's no belief in God's word. There's no belief that God exists. So how do you do that? You know, where do you start? You can't start with the Bible and you can't start with an event because they don't believe in God's word and they won't show up at your event. So it's really in this process of relationships. That's why people on the ground are so important. And so, yeah, we always tell people, if you want to do youth ministry for a career, come do post-Christian ministry with us for a year and you'll be the most gainfully employable person on the planet in North America because it's like getting a master's degree in youth ministry and post-Christian culture just by doing it on the ground. So yeah, come hang out. Yeah. Uh, so catch us up on where things are with Greater Europe Mission. Uh, because I know that you obviously are still involved in UK, USA, and the ministries that are taking place there, uh, but have also 
now involved in Greater Europe Mission and what God's doing more continent-wide. Yeah, yeah. So um, about two and a half years ago, three years ago now this month, I guess, last January, uh, Greater Europe Mission came and said, would you help us replicate some of the things you're doing in the north of England across the continent of Europe and come help us mobilize across all of Europe? Um, and, and, you know, we prayed through that and kind of stepped out in faith again, really, to launch something new. We felt like UK USA was in, in a really good place, both partnership-wise and and people on the ground. And um, and so a year ago, literally mm. last this month, we um, uh, inducted, which means, you know, launched uh, the, the new director who is an indigenous uh, uh, British guy who came to faith through uh, the UK USA partnership. Oh wow! He's now the UK director of UK USA Ministries. Uh, so he literally lives on the ground there. He's from there. He was a teacher in one of the schools we were working in for years, and uh, he's become the director. So he stepped out of education in the UK to become the UK director, and so I just coach him, and you know continued to recruit and mobilize for the UK. Obviously uh, a lot of fundraising, you know, trying to raise support for our staff and our team and, you know, keep the vision in front of people. But he's, he's the guy on the ground. He's amazing. He'd be fun to get on a, a podcast one time just because of his accent. So cool. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'd love that. Um, and just, just have, yeah, just have him hanging out with us. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so his name's John Stewart. So he, he's leading UK USA ministries on the ground. I'm still, you know, the conduit really relationship wise for churches in America, uh, you know, trying to get more people on the ground. But I've taken on this mobilization role with Jim, uh, Greater Europe Mission, um, really, because, you know, obviously we believe, you know, in the power of a movement. Right. And we want to see a new movement of God on the continent of Europe. And so we're trying to, you know, invite as many people as we can to get on the ground, invest relationally, and be partnered up with folks in a spirit of unity, and let's see a movement of God. You know, the first and second great awakening emanated from the UK, the Reformation, you know, kind of the hub of the Christian world in that moment, 503 years ago in, in October, uh, you know, came from there. And, and we really feel like if, if we reach Europe, we can change the world, you know, mm. because it's kind of been the pattern in the past. So that's really what we've done. I, I've taken on this role of mobilization. So we're trying to get as many people on the ground in, in life-on-life uh, -life engagement, discipleship making uh, as possible. We really believe in the power of discipleship, power of multiplication, really, not addition. And yeah, so that's really what I'm doing. I'm taking on this role trying to get more people in the, on the field. So super practical question at this moment in our world, uh, you're Northwest Arkansas based at this moment, heading back to Europe when, and when do you think, <laughs> uh, woo pig, by the way, for Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, woo pig suey, come on. <laughs> yes. So when do you think you'll be heading back and when, uh, our trips and people, joining you to be headed. When do you think those things will begin yeah. to open up again? Obviously no one knows the yeah. future, but. 
Yeah, no one knows. Uh, unfortunately, we, we did have to push pause on all the teams from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this year, we postponed everything through the month of June because we still just don't have any real clear windows from a short-term team perspective. Now, we've actually sent more people career in the history of Greater Europe Mission in, in a pandemic year than ever, which is a wow. miracle. So the interruption, the interruption has been incredible for people to wrestle with purpose and vision and calling. And it's been miraculous to see how many people have stepped into the pipeline and said, I'm, I'm re- I, I want to go. And we've actually got more people in the process to go as a career missionary than ever before. So that's incredible. Also, we're, we are going to do the 10-2 project this summer. We've changed it. Again, we've had to pivot like the whole world mm. uh, changed so many things. Um, we've got 69 college students that have stuck with us through all this chaos. And we're, we're calling it the 10-2 project Kosovo Plus. So Kosovo and Macedonia, two countries in the southeast of Europe, both are non-EU and both love Americans and both say you can come with just a negative test. And so uh, <laughs> we're going to Kosovo uh, for the 10-2 project and we're calling it plus because we just don't know how many more countries will open up with the vaccine and all that stuff. Yeah. So we know we can get in Kosovo and Macedonia. Um, and so that's where we're headed this summer. So my plan is I'll be in Kosovo by the end of May for training week. And then I got to be back in America in June for a board thing. Um, and then if huge happens, I'm all yours, man, put me <laughs> in the game. Um, and then I'll head back to, you know, Europe in July sometime. So that's the plan. And we're excited about sending people to Kosovo, a war torn region heavy Muslim influence, but they love Americans seriously and are open to the gospel. Our two missionaries on the ground there were both Muslim raised children who've come to faith, which is an incredible story unto itself. And now there are field leaders on the ground there. So quite a cool thing going on in in Kosovo. Man, that's awesome to hear too, that more missionaries have been sent during this season than crazy than have before yeah so you uh 30 plus years of experience in youth ministry um and have served uh both in youth ministry on the the other side of the pond as they say and here in the united states uh man i want to ask you and i know this is something that's been a hallmark of your ministry specifically through the years and I want to have a little bit of conversation around how this is a need in our culture now and how we can do this. And that is specifically calling or challenging a generation to rise up, to not just mm. sit back and let life come to us. But in your youth ministry experience, in challenging a generation to rise up for the call of discipleship and for the call to reach people and go to the nations and all of these things. Well, man, it's hard to believe uh, I'm that old, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel that old, but yeah, 30 years in in North America, 10 years on the continent of Europe. And 
Um, started when you were 15. Well, no, I didn't. I started when I was 18, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that equals 58. So yes, I am old. Um, math was never my great subject, but I do, I do know that much. Um, I think, I don't know, man. I feel like there's such a deep sense of urgency in my soul. Mm. Um, and I know the closer you get to getting older and older and older, the more things tend to bubble up in you about the moment, right? But I really feel like uh, we're sitting on a moment in North America where the church has some massive decisions to make, right? Because we know we've not seen the culture, we've not seen the needle move on our culture the way we've been doing church, right? I mean, we've seen decisions and we've seen people get baptized and all those things. And I, I am evangelistic and I want everybody to know Jesus and I want to baptize, like, listen, no one ever had to challenge me to baptize hundreds of students because I was always all about that. Yeah. But the reality is, if we don't call a generation into a deeper place and into a more sacrificial life, then we're never going to see the culture move mm-hmm. and shift. And that is what disciple making is all about, right? We have to. We have to do life-on-life ministry with young people and and go on a journey with them. And I know those are all like phrases that we toss around, life-on-life and go on a journey and all that stuff. But it is Jesus' model of ministry, step-by-step, moment-by-moment, day-by-day. And the hard thing is that's the slow process of relationships and discipleship. And North America has not been really, really into that <laughs> in yeah. the youth ministry realm. We've been much more microwave, you know, Insta, whatever. And and we know that that has worked to a certain extent, but we've not seen the culture shift. Um, and so how do we how do we do that? We do it slow, slowly. And we do it, you know, Jesus always walked slowly through the crowd. Jesus was always hanging out with people. Jesus was always from one meal to the next, you know, we joke about Jesus ate his way through the gospels, but, but that's what he did. And that's how he did life. And he did it slowly. And so, you know, that, that to me is key. But part of that then is once we're in these relationships, what are we calling students to, right? And it is that next level of, of seeing the world through the eyes of the gospel and not through the trinkets that the world has to offer, right? You know, and the the things of North America that we get so hung up on, right? So I do think the pandemic has created a sense of urgency and mm-hmm. a sense of I'm made for more than all this stuff. So the things that I thought were really important are no longer. So what am I here for? And I do think that's where we're headed. And I think it's a moment for the church in North America, like, one of the greatest moments ever for us to kind of recalibrate what matters in our ministries, especially in youth ministry. So you talked about slowing down and that this call to discipleship involves us leaders being willing to walk slowly with someone. Uh, Slow isn't something that North American culture does very well. Uh, most other cultures, um, live 
at a or intentionally slower pace. Uh, now that's not a knock against other cult. I think that's a beautiful thing about other cultures. Yeah. Um, what did you notice in the transition from United States living and fast, everything needs to be instant and ready right now to really embracing the idea of, okay, we need to take a slow approach here. Yeah. It's a great question. I think, um, Early on when we got to the UK, it was so funny because I'm, I am a driven guy and I am a pace guy, yeah. I feel like anyway. But, um, and so you, you deal, you know, your own stuff, but I love relationships, but we, we had someone come in the house once, uh, and she said, you know, you haven't popped the kettle on, you know, is there something wrong? And, and it, but what it was, it was like when someone walks in the house you pop the kettle on because they're going to settle down and have a mm. cup of tea with you. And it's just in their DNA. Right. And it's mm. just, it was the furthest thing from my mind. Right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You want a cup of coffee? You're going to sit down and we're going to hang out, you know? And wow. And so I just thought they were popping by to say hi, but they were popping by to have a combo, you know what I mean? Have a yeah. chat and have a cup of tea. And, uh, and so that was a really good lesson early days when we first got there. Um, but then what we noticed was nobody's interested in any event really that you have going on and anything at church and all that stuff. So we started doing life in our home, all our meetings around our gatherings around church started to be around home. Our leadership meetings were in the home and there was always food. And so hospitality became a huge part of our ministry meal times with people um you know small group things were in our home you know all of that became more the rhythm of who we were and part of that is post-christian culture but part of that is the dna of other cultures right so like the the italians i mean i talked to i have some really good friends now in spain and in italy and like they don't even start eating till like nine at night you know like it's just like <laughs> crazy you know the rest of us are like we've already done lunch dinner breakfast you know whatever i mean we're we're, we're on dessert by then right but they they don't even start stuff until you know later and it's just a much more chilled out culture and so you know we learned a lot of that slowness um you know so you, you got to really pace yourself and and that's the other thing too everything is more mechanistic, you know, like even in, like in Germany and England, everybody's, you know, the queue's a big deal. The, the, the structure is a big deal. You know, they, they holiday way better than we do. Like mm. in August, you know, when, when summer, summer school, I mean, when school ends July, of course they go to school till July 20 something, but you know, for like five weeks when they say holiday, they're like gone, man. And so uh, church doesn't happen. Weird. It's weird stuff like that, that, is so hard but yeah we just learned pace is different culture is different hospitality is a massive deal uh generosity um you know just opening up your home you know it's just so different man one of the things that i take away from what you just you just talked about was discipleship i think so often here in america i'm guilty of this we would describe as something we do towards another person. Something like 
I'm going to disciple you. And I don't think that's bad language, but we think of it as an action that we take towards someone else. And what you described just now in the discipleship process of people is you inviting them into your life, not Mm. you performing some set of actions on them that's going to produce this thing. It's you saying, come be a part of my life. And as we do that, discipleship is going to take place. Yeah. Isn't it funny that that's exactly what Jesus did? Yeah. (laughs) He said, come follow me. And so he's just like hanging out with his disciples. And so we have done this programmatically in North America. And and I totally get what you just said. I totally agree with everything you just said. That the, the reality is we've said this is something I'm going to do for you or I'm going to do over you. But really what it is, is it's come be with me. Mm. And that's what Jesus said. Come follow me. Come be with me. And so it really is the being and being present. And and really there's a humility factor here, too, that we don't do well either. And that is I'm going to learn from you yeah. while you learn from me. Yeah. And that's I big. think that's beautiful. And, and I think that's a, a really thing we've learned. Certainly... North America always wants to go fix something. You know, Mm. we want to go fix this problem in another country. But really what we need to do is go be present and do life together and come in humility and learn from each other. And, oh, by the way, we're going to see God do something in the midst of all that. That's supernatural and beyond our own abilities. Um, There's another piece to this that's really interesting that I think will help North America is – in this scenario of doing life with people, many of those people don't know Jesus yet. And so most of my youth ministry days were filled with a bunch of church people, Christians. And then we would have events where we said, bring your lost friends. And then they quote, get saved. And then we would be really happy with ourselves. And, and again, I'm not knocking any of that. I did that for 30 years, but the reality is, what we're what we're really called to do is go be with people that don't know Jesus and discipleship and evangelism happen mm. simultaneously. It's almost commingled yeah. in a post-Christian world. And so they catch Jesus while you're doing life with them, while you're hanging out with them. And then then when they finally give their life to Jesus, then they start saying things like, Oh, now I know why you pray. Mm. Now I know why you live sacrificially. Now I know why you live with generosity. It's because Jesus has changed your life. But all that discipleship stuff, they noticed it way before they ever gave their life to Jesus. So it's a it's an interesting thing that North America isn't really involved in yet, or at least in, in most circles, because we're spending most of our time with church people or yeah. a culture of church people rather than hanging out with, you know, people that don't know the Lord. So it's interesting when we do that relationally, especially with a lost or, you know, an unchurched lost culture, they begin to gravitate to the things that you're doing way before they've ever even belonged to Jesus, you know? Mm. So yeah, it's interesting, man. That's so good. And so like, if we're talking about how we challenge a generation to rise up, it involves inviting them into our lives for them to see us doing that. And it means that as youth ministry leaders, 
we have to be instilling it. Like we still need to recruit volunteers and we still need to do all those things, but there has to be this, this component of ministry that says 13 year old, 11 year old, 17 year old, I'm going to show you how to be with people that don't know Jesus and to disciple them along the way. And I love how you phrased it, that evangelism and discipleship are commingled, that they mm. see the evidences of discipleship before they, before they come to faith and that those things happen. You know, we, we think of it as linear. You come to faith and then you learn about discipleship. But in your context and what you've described is that they actually learn what a disciple is while they know you and then come to faith. It is a, well, you said the commingling of those two things. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is, I mean, one of my great challenges as a youth pastor in America was always, you know, you have this cool experience and loads of people commit their life to Christ. And then the follow-up process is really hard because you, you've got to try to graft them into the body. But in this idea, you're, they're already grafted into the body. They're already connected. And so as they come to faith, then they're already in mm. the, the channel. You know what I'm saying? They're in that river of life, both spiritually now and connection-wise. And so holding people who come to faith is a whole lot easier in that context because you, you're already in relationship with them, you know? And so I think that's another piece for our youth pastors. And, and as we call this generation to a sense of urgency about their walk with Jesus, that's really what we're asking them to do is walk with Jesus. Wherever you go on this journey with Jesus, cultivate relationships for the gospel. And as you're cultivating those relationships, when they come to faith, then you're, you're already holding them, right? And so mm -hmm. that's when a movement face, and we see, you know, a generation rise up and go, man, there's more to, there's more to my life than the stuff that's going on around me, these things that I want to pursue. It's the people that God has in my arena. Yeah. So what are you seeing uh, from, because I know you're still connected to student ministry here in the States a lot. And, and you mentioned one of these things with uh, more missionaries, um, and the greater Europe mission and, and more people going during this season. What are some things that you're seeing that would say, man, God's up to something here. Like there is, there is something happening here that could, that could lead to a, a, a movement of God. Yeah. I think the most encouraging thing that I've seen in the last 12 months, and it's hard to believe I've been in, in America for 12 months, but the most encouraging thing I've seen is this urgency around discipleship. Like I'm having more conversations with youth pastors and staffs, like spending time with church staffs talking about the navigating, you know, cause overnight we became a post-Christian nation yeah. because all our churches were empty. Right. You know, so <laughs> right. I know we're not there completely. We're not there completely, but everybody's trying to figure out how do we navigate this moment. Right. And, and I think that the call or the, or the exciting thing is people are leaning into this, this relationship, discipleship, you know, Dawson Trotman years ago, born to reproduce that that's what, that's who we are. We're born to reproduce spiritual men and women. That's, that's who we are as followers of Christ. And so that's that life on life, uh, 
stuff. So I've seen more people engaging in that conversation and that really fires me up, Ben. I think I think we could see movement, um, a, a movement of God and real movement within the church uh, around these arenas of, of relationships and discipleship. And so just those kind of questions have been really encouraging. Um, and I do think in the pause, in this holy interruption, people have had to ask really hard questions like, what, what am I, what is, what is my purpose and why am I here and what, what really matters? And I think those questions are healthy questions to wrestle with, especially when you're 16, 17 and 18, you know. And then one more piece, obviously, as a mobilizer, it fires me up, is um, the fact that now everybody's digital. So anybody can do school anywhere on the planet. So I could I could invite students at 18 to go do two years in Europe and do their school online at the University of Arkansas and, you know, you know, never lose a beat, never lose a second. Yeah. You know, and so. That's also really cool that people can literally do life anywhere on the planet because we literally became the, a digital culture overnight. So those are all really exciting. I, I think great days are coming, man. I'm excited. Uh, man, that's good to hear. Uh, and they should go to the University of Arkansas. That's a good, that's a good choice. <laughs> A good choice for sure. Mike, I would love for you to take just a second and tell people how that they can connect with you. And uh, if they're interested in either doing a gap year themselves or have students in their ministry, they would be interested in one of the things that you're doing or bring in a short term trip of students to Europe. Sure, sure, for sure. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not Bob Goff, but I love him. So I'm going to give you my mobile number so you can call me from anywhere on the planet and hang out. There you go. Uh, eight. 832-723-2357. So drop me a text or call me uh, and and let's connect there. 832-723-2357. Or you can hit me up on email, mike at uk-usaministries.com or mtaylor at gemission.com. Uh, any of those work. Um the way people can get involved, obviously we, we have loads of opportunities they can come for a team, you know, short-term experience. They can come do a summer. We had this thing called the 10 2 project that obviously we, we had a huge first summer in 2019. We had 58 college students come serve for the summer. And then we had 120 in the pipeline for last summer and we had to cancel them all. So that was sad. Uh, we've got 69. So we're kind of re, re trying to build, rebuild that, you know, momentum is a curious thing. Um, so they can come for a summer and literally we, we do training. We're really big into spiritual formation. So we do a week of intense spiritual formation, eight weeks on the ground serving in Europe. Then we do a vision tour at the end. You know, how do we see a movement of God? So we took them to the reformation last summer, this summer we were, we were supposed to go to Paul's second missionary journey. So we, we, we really value great, powerful moments. So we're going to do that again. Uh, so that's the 10 Um And then obviously the career thing, they can certainly do that. Um, and then while I'm stuck in America, man, I would love to Zoom with staffs. So I've been at Cross Church. I'm doing Preston Woods this coming week. You know, lots of opportunities to talk about post-Christian culture um, and just kind of invest in our, in our local churches here while I'm stuck in America. And so you can reach out about that. Uh, I do an Instagram live every Sunday, no matter where I am on the planet, on GE Mission USA. 
And that's been really, really fun. We interview a missionary, uh, you know, uh, every week or, or somebody in North America every week, similar to this, only it's live. Um, and so, yeah, just connect, reach out. Ben, you, you've been a great friend all these years and such a champion for what we're trying to do in Europe. And I really, really appreciate your heart, man. What a blessing you've been to me personally. Man, well, I love what you're doing, love you, and am so thankful uh, for the time we got to spend on the podcast today. And <laughs> Yeah, it was meant to be <laughs> meant to be in person, but the, the snow. I'm actually in Nashville. Yeah. stuck in a hotel room <laughs> well man it is great to catch up great to have you on what a great episode with mike taylor uh i said it before but man one of my, my just favorite people known him for a while and is doing such great ministry and always always such great stuff to say about discipleship and how student ministries can be challenging a generation in this case uh and can be involved in discipleship um what you guys take away from today? Yeah, I think for me, one of the big takeaways, several things that he said along the lines of what it takes to challenge generation, but then also what does that post-Christian culture look like? I think often we are we don't want to th- really think about that. We want to sometimes think, oh, we're not there yet in America, so I don't want to worry about it. But I think it's vitally important that we look at what is happening in other places around the world. Yeah. And so when he started talking about, you know, you can't, over there, like they don't want to come to an event. And here we're like, oh, well, we're still good. We just throw more things at them. They'll show up. But if we look at the numbers and the data, like it's, we're starting to see that here in America. We're yeah. starting to see students say, because, because guess what you're competing with? You're competing with them playing Fortnite with their friends, talking, having fun, hanging out for four hours. You're not going to compete with that. You're competing against like the latest videos on YouTube and TikTok and those kind of things. Those things are going through the roof right now, especially during this pandemic. And so we're seeing this generation that, you know, Gen Z, we're seeing this generation, you know, start to say, well, what can you offer to me in the form of that's different? Yeah. The competition's a big part of that. And also just a, I guess the way to say it would be a slower to believe kind of mindset yep so there's that competition and there's also like an unwillingness to just jump into something right away right and so like like the big news the past couple weeks when you look at like gen z stuff it's you know you can you know they look at millennials and are like we're never using the laugh cry emoji again in our lives because you use it (laughs) yeah we're not right we're not wearing skinny jeans because you do it we're not (laughs) doing side parts because you do it so it's going to quickly become well you millennials why are you putting on these big events for us like you've done that they're very quickly say every to them they'd be like no this isn't us but every generation does this right gen x did this to the one before them millennials did this to gen xers like it just this is just what a generation goes through you know they look at them and say well this is where you failed this is how we want to do it different Mm. but i think when you talk talk about challenging a generation we are seeing gen z because they look at millennials be like well you really didn't do anything but kind of sit around and just like something on facebook and say i did my due diligence i've stood for a cause because i liked it or whatever they're like well you really didn't do anything like we're seeing gen z your stand up rise up create organizations actually change the world you know we've talked about it before on the podcast like a lot of the things that were going on with some of the racial tensions like some of that was led by students yeah high schoolers like enacting change so they want to change and so this generation wants change they want to be you know change makers 
And so I think they have a hunger and a passion for that, but they don't want to do it. They, they see how millennials did it. They see how generations before them have done it, and it doesn't. It, it hasn't worked for them. So they're saying, why would that work for me? And I think Mike is right, hit the nail right on the head. It's through discipleship. It's through relationships. If we've learned one word that should come out from all of this mess with the pandemic should be relationships. Yeah. We've seen how much we need them. We've seen how much we either didn't have them, and we've seen how important they really are. And I think that is the key thing. I think that's what Gen Z is longing for. They want to make change be a change maker and i but i think they want to see it you know we want to see they want to see somebody put their money where their mouth is they want to walk it through it with them yeah i agree with you and i th- i think that you know there's more to compete with than ever before as absolutely a part of it uh you know in talking with student pastors and being a part of some of these events myself there is it is a different day today in student ministry in standing up and preaching the gospel and giving an invitation and seeing mass immediate response. Mm -hmm. This is a generation of teenager that is considering more than ever. That is thinking about that. That is wanting to know more before they make that decision. And all of those things are good things. All of those things lead to what you were saying is when they support a cause, they are all in. And that translates to when they come to faith too. But in general, it is a slower process from initial presentation and reaction to them place, placing their faith in Jesus. And man, it speaks directly to showing them discipleship as we talk yep. in that in that life on life, like Mike said over and over. Ben, I wanted to pose this question to you. Um, just so many of the things Mike described about the way effective discipleship takes place in a post-Christian location sound like things that have been effective in a post or really mid-COVID season here. So my question to you mm-hmm as we kind of digest some of this is what are some of the key elements of discipleship that you see being, uh, to continue to be effective in the coming years? Um, like what if this frustrating halt and change because of COVID is preparing us for effective ministry in the future? Where would you tell leaders to focus their efforts right now? Yeah. What a great question. Uh, you know, Mike was on student ministry that matters at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he made a statement that honestly, and I think we've said it on here before that kind of shaped mm-hmm. how we spoke with people throughout the pandemic. And that is the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. And that phrase that he used then so stuck with me because I think in a lot of ways, it's the answer to that question that you just asked, like what should leaders be doing now moving into the future? What's going to continue to be a thing that works. And I I think we have to track and measure. I'm going to get real practical here for a second. Mm -hmm. I think we have to track and measure attendance in those things, but I still believe something that rose up that we talked a lot about through the pandemic, through student ministry that matters. And here was the importance of engagements that you have real conversations with people more than, Hey, how you doing? You know, how is your favorite sports team playing right now? You know, like all of those kinds of, we have to move into as a leader, how many engagements am I having with teenagers in my ministry as a 
person who leads and recruits and trains volunteers, am I instructing them and measuring them on how many engagements? And then are our students having engagements with other students too? And taking that one step further and saying, okay, how do I get into the heart and culture of the teenagers in my ministry to get them to engage with other people? So I think relationships has to be a part of that. I think the other thing that we've learned that is going to continue to be something that we have to continue to do is equipping parents better. Mm. Uh, That rose to the surface really quickly of, oh man, my parent ministry is largely informational rather than putting transformational things in their hands. Uh, It birthed a resource from us called Parent Partner that speaks specifically to we're going to help you put things that bring transformation in a home into the hands of parents. And so I think we have to continue saying, how do I help parents lead in transformation rather than just give them information in parents, in parent ministry. And to connect that with the first thing, that means that leaders have to be in relationship with parents. I was so struck by Mike focusing on the slowness and the speed and intentionality of the way ministry has to happen. You know, how, how do we challenge a generation to rise up? He said slowly. Mm-hmm. And I think like, even as we were planning this podcast, slowly was not one of the things we anticipated him <laughs> to talk right. about. Like, right. because we're thinking we're going to hear five things that you can do student pastor to challenge the students in your church to rise up. But the reality is, is that this is not a microwave faith that we're in and student ministry is not meant to be a microwave ministry. Now, sometimes God does things really fast and that's up to him, Mm -hmm. but more often it is a process that we take intentionally slow steps to really, really disciple people. Not put butts in seats, but to move slow enough that we really are moving individuals towards Jesus. And man, yeah, that's that's what I, that's how I'd answer. It's a hard shift. Like slow is uncomfortable. I think we've probably all oh my gosh. faced that in our own lives as we entered this weird season last yeah. year where things just had to slow down. Um, I think students have to be feeling it as well. And if we meet them there, it's going to be hopefully effective. Yeah. And I think it's important that we note too, that slow doesn't mean lazy. Yes. That slow doesn't mean not working hard, Mm -hmm. but it's the approach that you're taking. The intentionality behind the, the speed you move. Yeah. Yeah. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We will see you next week.